Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for anyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. I I think in our following of Jesus, we sometimes make things way too complicated. That Jesus, if he's talking to us about how to live a, a, a fruitful life, a life that has stability and strength, a life that can endure, a life that can be impacted by life and be impacted by disappointment and still be resilient and perseverant, Jesus would say, actually, it's really, really simple. It comes down to a very simple decision that you hear and you obey. Like the old song says, trust and obey, trust and obey. That's how we're happy in Jesus. We trust and obey. And there's something about the simplicity and the profound nature of what Jesus says. You hear and you do. I want to tell you a story, a true story, um, that kind of illustrates the whole thing of the power of a vision and the power of a decision. So in 1819, a Spanish explorer and conquistador, Hernandez Cortes, decided that he wanted to seize the treasures of the Aztecs. So the Aztecs have been hoarding treasures for hundreds of years and he thought, I'm going to go there and I'm going to steal the treasure. And so he took 500 soldiers and 100 sailors and he landed his 11 ships of um, he landed his 11 ships on the shore of the Yucatan despite the large army under his command he was still vastly outnumbered by a huge and powerful empire that had been around for 600 years some of the men were unconvinced of the possible success of this mission And being loyal to Cuba, they tried to seize the ships and escape to there. Cortes got wind of the plot and he captured the ringleaders. He wanted the remainder, he wanted to make sure that the remainder of his men were completely committed to his mission and quest for riches. So he did something that seemed completely insane to his people. Cortes gave the order to scuttle his own ships, burn his own ships. His men resisted, wondering, how are we even going to get home? His answer was, if we are going home, we are going home in their ships. The path forward was clear for Cortes. All or nothing, 100% commitment, the option of failure was gone, conquerors, heroes, or die. And so essentially what this story tells us is there's the power of a choice and the power of a decision. It's all or nothing. We're not going back. We're burning all our 
options. And in a sense, that's what Jesus is saying in Luke 6, 46 to 49. He's saying, when you come to me, you'd actually burn all your options to live any other way than to trust and obey. In coming to me, you've burned all your other options other than the one option, which is going to be you're going to hear and you're going to do what I say. You're actually made a choice to have no other option in life. You've burnt, you've burnt your ship. And in that quote, nothing happens until after the ships are burned or nothing happens until somebody makes a decision. And so... We're all on a journey of transformation and maturity. That's what it means to be a disciple. And so when we're born again and we come to Jesus, we start off the, the beginning of a new life with Jesus as like little toddlers and little babies. But then we grow and we mature. And a mature person really has come to a point of no return decision. That's what a mature follower is. I've burnt the ships. I've come to a point of no return. I've decided I have no alternative options than to hear and do what Jesus says. I've got nothing, no alternative. In other words, I've decided to be a disciple, I've decided to be an apprentice. That's why in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the earth and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the earth and make people make decisions. Or go into all the earth and make converts. He said, go into all the earth and teach people everything I've told you See them make their first step, which is baptism. That's their first step of hearing and obeying. And then call them to be learners, to be followers and to be servants. And call them to that decision for the rest of their life. And that's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. I've become an apprentice. I've become a learner. I've become a follower. I've made a choice. I've made a decision. I've actually burnt the boats to any other way of living apart from I'm now going to be someone who hears and obeys. And Jesus says, everyone who comes to me. So the first part of being a disciple is we come to Jesus for life. Everyone who comes to me. There's a daily ongoing decision. I'm coming to Jesus because Jesus has life to give me. And I'm not going to find life in any other place. And I would say, again, that's a journey of maturity. That's a journey of progression. That's a journey of development. That when we're new believers, we might be finding life all over. And then his kindness leads us to change our mind and say, listen, all things are yours to enjoy, but you'll be a slave to nothing. Apart from, in one sense, a slave to obedience and a slave to love and a slave to connection to him. So it's a decision to sound burning the ships to finding life in any other place ultimately than Jesus. And we've talked about this a lot, that marriage is a good thing, friendship is a good thing, work is a good thing, having things is a good thing, hobbies are a good thing, that we're human beings and that we, 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 we need to 
we need to eat and we need to drink and we need connection with human beings. But ultimately, when it's the deep soul satisfaction or the deep pain that we feel, yeah, we can get comfort from people, but ultimately we've made that choice. I'm coming to Jesus. Heal my soul. Touch my life. The second decision is we're going to hear his words. We're going to hear his words. And I would say that's more of a posture of being living availably to his voice. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I think the, uh, the weight upon us hearing is the fact that he's the good shepherd and knows how to speak in exactly the way that we're able to hear. And then once we hear, because he guarantees that we hear, we then do and obey what we hear. Sometimes we say little phrases like, I think God might be trying to say something. I don't think God's ever trying to say something. He's saying something. (laughs) I think we sometimes use that language so we don't sound arrogant or... And sometimes we say it because we don't really like what he's saying, so we prefer to say he's trying. (laughs) But we hear his words. And apprenticeship means we hear his words so that we might speak, do, and act like him. That's what it means to be an apprentice. So when Jesus speaks, he doesn't just speak so that we've got some more head knowledge. He's an apprentice maker. He's a discipler. That's how they understood things in the Bible. The rabbi apprenticed the people who heard. So when Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's choosing to be taught by him, the expectation is she's going to do what Jesus has been teaching. That's always the emphasis of apprenticeship. Like Rob and Joe run a plumbing business and they have apprentices. And the expectation is these disciples, these apprentices, will go on to be plumbers. That's the expectation in the trade of builders and bricklayers and electricians and cooks and chefs, is that people will go on to become discipled and apprenticed into the skills and they themselves will become pastry cooks, plumbers, electricians, accountants, engineers, builders, Junior doctors, doctors, surgeons, teachers go to treat teacher training college. But the expectation is one day you're going to teach. And that's the same in every single aspect of life in our work. And Jesus' expectation is it's hearing and doing. Anyone who hears my words and does them, he has an expectation that when he speaks and we hear, that we can do it. And grace is God's empowering, activating capacity to do what he says. So you might be saying, that's not, I can't do the things that Jesus says. I'm just a human being. Well, you are a human being, if you're a believer, who has been born again from above. So you've come from one kingdom to another kingdom, and you've got God living inside you. So Jesus says, you too will do the works that I've been doing if you believe. He has an expectation that we're his disciples, that we're going to learn how to co-labor and cooperate with him and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper and, and open blind eyes and deaf ears. He has an expectation that believers can do those kind of things. 
that we hear and we do. He has an expectation that we can love and forgive like he loves and forgives. We're his disciples, we're his apprentice. And the early church were known for those kind of things. There was a, an awful uh, time in early history where there was a sickness that ravaged a city. And it was only believers who stayed behind in the city to care for the sick. Everybody else ran away. Why? Because these were people who had been apprenticed and discipled to lay down their life and love people in their worst conditions. There was an expectation that they would hear and do. To do what Jesus does. And there's a, there's a, a sentence, an idea that comes out of Harvard University in America, which is 100% is easier than 98%. That it's actually harder to be a follower of Jesus and say, I'm 98% committed. It's actually harder to do that than to say, I'm 100%. Because the 2% means I'm not completely sure what I'll do. So a 100% person is, I'm not perfect. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm moving from baby to toddler, I'm moving to young adult, I'm moving to maturity. But my commitment is in every area of my life, even when I mess up and make mistakes and and don't do it the right way, is my commitment is to hear Jesus' words on it and adjust to his voice and do what he says. Even if in the process I get some wrong, I get some right, and I'm growing. Because I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. When I find out and hear something that I... Like, we don't know what we don't know, do we? Like, Apostle Paul, before his Apostle Paul is is Saul, and he thinks 100% commitment to God is persecute the church and throw them into prison. He has a revelation of Jesus. You're persecuting me. He has a complete turnaround, repentance. And he now says... I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm 100% now. He has a revelation that what he was doing before wasn't right. And we should be like that all the time. Be open to the corrective voice of God that comes out of the Bible. It comes out of relationship with people. It comes out of loving feedback. It, It comes out of encounters with God. That we always should be aware that there are things we just don't know until we know. And 100% commitment means when I find out an area where I need to grow, develop, change, adjust, move on, mature, and be more courageous. 100% means I've burnt the ships to any other option. I've only got one option, which is I'm going to trust, and I'm going to obey, and I'm going to do what he says. So when you're 100%, it's easier because you know what you're going to do. I've made a choice. I'm always going to adjust to God. So, for example, let's pick on something like cake. It's easier to say, I 100% choose to never eat cake again. Say, say for fun, God's talking to you about cake. (laughs) It's easier to say, I'll never eat it again, than to say, I'll cut down. Because when do you cut down? Is it... Do you only eat cake on a Saturday or on a Monday? And do you only eat cake if there's not the opportunity? Or when do you not eat cake? It's sometimes easier just to say 100%. Remember, God gives us all things to enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Caveat, a little thing. (laughs) 
but I won't be a slave to anything. You could apply that to any area of your life. That, you know, it's easier to say, I'm 100%, I'm never ever going to join a conversation ever again that involves gossip. Just never going to do it. It's a one decision, a one choice. You could do that in any area where God leads you to a uh, revelation of an area of adjustment. You can do that for positive things too. You could say, any meeting I'm in, 100% of the time, I'm going to be open to the voice of God and I'm going to speak a word that encourages, exhorts and comforts and leads people on. I'm going to be active in any context I'm in. That could be a 100% decision, whereas you, if you say, um, just some meetings, well, which meetings? <laughs> which times? And it doesn't have to become strange. It could be in a whole range of areas you could decide, I'm going to grow in this. So, like at 23, I made a choice that... I would always say yes to anybody who asked me to serve God in a particular area. And I want to put a little caveat to that as well. Little, we always ask Jesus' work first, yeah? Because we, we, we're in a relationship with God and people can ask us, but there's also the freedom as well to check it out with God as well. So you don't become a slave to people asking. But I wanted to make that decision because I wanted to make a 100% decision to be courageous. And the first person who asked me anything was to lead worship. And, uh, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't sing really in public. I don't know why they asked me. I was not qualified in any single way. And they asked me, and I'd made this commitment. I said, yeah, yeah, I will. So we're in this training environment. There's 30 people there. I pitch it at a level where I could have killed somebody. We went, we went so... I was, I was leading it. But I'd said yes, and someone, actually, someone else said no. <laughs> Stepped in. Health and safety. We're going to kill someone here. And uh, repitched it. And then someone else asked me the, the, the same thing. Or maybe wisdom would have said, Jesus, I don't think there's much life on this for me. <laughs> don't seem to be qualified, but I said yes. And I remember I started here boldly. And there was a, it was a... Um, it was a drama theatre, so there were curtains. And people's recollection is I started here and slowly moved back. To, and they said I actually led from behind the curtain. <laughs> Very... <laughs> sort of introducing that kind of old covenant. <laughs> I never did it again. Well, I didn't have to. No one ever asked me again. <laughs> but 100% it was easier because I knew what to do. I knew what to do. And I don't think it means you can't ask clarifying questions and all that stuff. And it doesn't mean that someone's your boss and they're going to make you do stuff. Talk to Jesus. But for me, that was a really important thing. So it was 100%. I knew what I was going to do when anybody would invite me to do anything. I'll have a go. And so, like for, for us, when we got married, it was really easy to say, we, I've made a 100% decision to be committed to local church. In fact, we chose to live in the UK over France partly because of engagement with local church. There was a 100% decision there. There was no um, real debate about that. We love the church. We want to serve the church. And, and, and at that time, when we first got married, I think at one point we had five different jobs, you know, teaching all over the place. And, you know, lots of you do this, making ends meet by doing lots of different jobs. We've, but we said yes to the church. And I think there was a sense in which we were 100% committed to saying yes to giving, like... There was a, we're, we're, we're giving. 
There wasn't really a big debate about that. We made a 100% commitment. We burnt the ships to anything else we're going to give, we're going to serve. And we had a 100% commitment as well to the voice of God in terms of if he says do something, even if it was crazy, we would do it. So as we, when Fleur was one years old, we, mem- we, we packed our bags, put everything in a white course and moved to Denmark without jobs. <laughs> Look back and go cold sweat <laughs> but we, we'd heard God and we had confirmation, we'd gone on a journey we had a story, we, we had testimonies, we had a prophetic word, we had a lot of personal words and it was a decision rooted in wisdom too but it involved actually in one sense selling our house no jobs, no house to go to apart from one room and, and some of you have done this, you know you've moved from other nations, you know what it is that moment you arrive in another nation in another culture and you think I'm really here and I've got to learn the the culture and I've got to learn how to navigate this thing but its birth was in a decision to Jesus to the best of our ability we want to burn the ships to any other option and we want to be a hundred percent and you know and it's always that sense of adjusting and growing i remember one time we were in the church we've been married a little while and we were a little bit annoyed with the church if i'm honest you have you ever felt that i'm sure you haven't but <laughs> a bit frustrated where are we going what's happening and there was an offering because we had some the church had some financial things it needed to meet and we were a bit ticked off to be honest we were, don't want to give to this offering and uh, but, but that original decision to say no we love the church kicked in and we said actually we're going to double what we planned because this offering has revealed something in our heart that isn't very pretty so our repentance for us looked like doubling what we were going to give and saying we're, no we're going for this and it released our heart and we were able to do that joyfully and serve joyfully again so So the decision to say, no matter what, I'm 100%, protects you from what people call decision fatigue. Some people are just exhausted by how many decisions they have to make. That burning the ships is is the end of the tug of war. Sometimes we go through life and we, we say, I'm following Jesus, but I don't know what to do in this situation. I feel a tug here and I don't want to obey. And, or, you know, I don't want to give or I don't want to serve. Or, and we have this, should I engage in this gossiping conversation? There's a tug of war because we haven't really made a decision. And so that 2%, that 5% where we're not really sure if we're going to follow kind of follows us every day and tugs at us every day. Whereas when there's just a 100% decision, you think, I know what I'm going to do, I've already chosen. Now, have you ever done this? It's when you make a decision that's not a 100% decision about waking up early in the morning. <laughs> have, you ever, have you done that? Where it's, it, thinks, it feels like a good idea and you read an article that says, your day is made or broken by what you do before 8 a.m., you're stirred by it but it's not really a 100% decision it's 75% decision so you hit the snooze button 
hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, is because you hadn't really decided. You were moved and stirred, but it wasn't yet a burn the ships to any other time. But have you also made the decision where it's a 100% decision, I'm getting up no matter what, and the alarm goes off and you're up and you're ready because you haven't got decision fatigue and it's not a tug of war in the moment. You've made the choice already. You made it, you made it the night before. And you, you, you jump up and say, I'm going to go into this day. So burning the ships, being a 100% decision to say I'm a follower of Jesus, means you move from feeling powerless to powerful. Because I don't know if you've ever realised this, but you have zero control over anybody else. And you can try and use political things and manoeuvre things, and you can try and use control or anger or manipulation, but you really have zero control over anybody else. The only person you actually have any control over is what am I going to do? And so we can work in environments that are truly hard and tricky and challenging with lots of people around us who can be difficult. But when we've made the decision, actually I'm only powerful over myself, it takes us from being a victim in a set of circumstances to being an overcomer. It takes us from feeling powerless to powerful. We can say things like in our heart, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if you're going to be fair. I don't know if you're going to manage me with kindness. I don't know whether I'm going to experience justice from you. But I'm choosing. I'm making the choice. I'm 100% committed to love and connection. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you become a doormat. You have you know, boundaries. You don't have to engage in abusive conversations. You can say what you need. Uh, but you've made a 100% commitment you know what, whatever happens, I'm loving and I'm connecting and I'm serving and I'm going to do my best here. I don't know what this environment is going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. See, that makes us powerful wherever we are because we have made an internal decision. I'm a 100% follower of Jesus. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to follow Jesus. I know what I'm going to do. Does it mean I'm going to get everything perfect? No. It means that I know what I'm going to do when I make a mistake. I'm going to say sorry to people and to God. I know what I'm going to do. I know that this week I'm coming to Jesus. I'm going to look incredibly different from person to person what it means to come to Jesus for life. It's going to look different, radically different from person to person. But it's that decision, I'm not going to, I'm going to find spiritual resources from God this week. I'm going to connect to God in a whole myriad of different ways. I'm drawing on God this week. I'm going to hear his words this week because he said I'm his sheep. His sheep hear his words. I'm going to do what he says. So it can look like this. This week, what Jesus says in these words in, about the wise and the foolish builders, he says, when... The flood came, the torrent struck, that house, um, he says, but they are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck, but, but because it was, uh, let's, read, let's go back, 
<laughs> They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock when the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. In other words, it's the decisions that we make before disappointment and being let down and things not going the way we want and we're discouraged. It's the, de- it's the decision before that actually protects us in the moment to be persevering and resilient and keep going. It's not if I'm let down or hurt, it's when I'm let down or hurt. I've already made the decision. I've burnt the ships in my heart to bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm 100% committed to learning and doing forgiveness and overlooking an offence and speaking the truth in love. I've made the decision, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be merciful. And that might involve going over something and forgiving again and again and again. But your ultimate decision is, Jesus, I'm a follower, and I will not rest in any place called bitterness, unforgiveness, revenge. I won't. I'll trust your justice, your judgment, your mercy. I've made a choice. I'm 100% committed to being like you, Jesus. And it's not willpower and it's not mind over matter. In the decision, we find we tap into supernatural resources and grace so that Jesus, the disciple maker, the apprentice, doesn't just command a standard for us to do. He empowers a standard in our decision to say, I'm 100% committed to learn from you, Jesus, to learn from the one who suffered in my place, who went to the cross, who was betrayed, who was rejected, who was misunderstood, who was maligned, who was spat upon, who was ridiculed. And yet, Jesus, in that moment, you chose to forgive. You chose to, you chose to hold on to no retribution and no bitterness. You laid your life down. I'm choosing that. It's a decision to say, I choose to walk deeply with other brothers and sisters. It's a, it's, I burn the ship to independence. <coughs> I'm going to have to learn that. I'm going to have to grow in authenticity and vulnerability and courage. I'm going to learn to have to learn how to trust people and maybe have to trust people again and take the risk to trust people again. But I've made 100% decision. And I want to say something that sometimes, this is again one of those little small print things. For some of us, our lives are crazy and we don't have every Sunday and we, we just, we're busy, yeah? We're just living our lives and we're working so hard and this is not an option for everyone. And I'm not saying it means you can never be not here on a Sunday. But it's a decision to say, I have made a 100% committed decision to not living independently and I've already chosen... I will be here on a Sunday. And I've already made that decision a week ago. And you might say, that's okay for you, Jamie. You're kind of paid to follow God and stuff. But the only thing I would say to you is we, we did this when we had five jobs and, and as well. So we've lived it. You know, we've lived it for most of our life. Actually, it's only the last nine years that we've had a full-time job between us. 
and we've been married in 23 years. So we've had lots of different scenarios and lots of different ways we did our life. But I tell you, that, that decision to say, I love local church, I'm going to be in local church, and I'm going to give myself to local church. I'm not making the decision week by week, and I'm not making it Saturday night. The decision's been made already. And so I'm not dis- I don't have to ask the question on a Saturday night, am I going to stay up until two? I'm not, I don't tug a war with that decision. I've already decided I'm going to be here on Sunday, so I'm not wrestling with a decision of can I stay up late? don't want to because I burnt the ships. I'm 100%. I'm not wrestling with the 2%. I'm not, I don't have to have decision fatigue about that. It's already decided. It's, I live in the good of that. It can be a decision in your relationship to people to say, whatever people around me do, I choose, I won't judge them, I won't condemn them, and I won't be suspicious of their motivation. It's a, it can be a 100% decision to say, actually, I don't know what's going on in another people's person's world. I've burnt the ships to even knowing what's going on in my world, let alone having the capacity to see perfectly what's going on inside another person. It can be a decision to say there are three types of business in the world. There's your business, other people's business, and God's business. And I think we find a lot of life when we say, actually, I'm going to look after my business, which is a lot of stuff in Luke 6. I'm not going to judge the, the, the speck in someone else's eye. I'm going to get the plank out of my own. All those things. And it doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean that we don't come up to someone else and lovingly say, I've noticed this and we're experiencing you like that. It doesn't mean that in community there's not vulnerability and hard conversations and brave communication. It just means 100% of our life is pretty much saying, actually, I need to trust and obey. I do. And I'm going to love and connect to others and be an encouragement for them trusting and obeying too. It can be a decision to say, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do in terms of serving God and serving the church, but I'm 100% committed to serving. And I'm 100% committed to giving away the grace that I do carry. I believe that I've been given a role to play on planet Earth in terms of both building the local church and being a kingdom expression in all of your life. It's that 100% commitment of saying, you know what, if any voice that comes in my head and says, you can't, you're not qualified, you're too shy, you're not confident enough, you don't have that kind of background, it's 100% commitment. I've burnt the ships to any other identity other than the identity that heaven calls me. I won't listen to any voice that negates me, undermines me, or takes me prisoner. Because I've burnt the ships to having any other identity than the identity that God gives. Again, is that a one choice, one decision? No, it's an unfolding revelation of who we are. It's a growing thing. But when you're in the posture of, I'm going to come to him, I'm going to hear, and I'm going to do, there's always something practical that Jesus gives us to step out and grow and do. So we can say, I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to do good. I've decided to grow and mature. I will invest in my prophetic words, in my calling, in my destiny. I will invest regardless of the cost. I will let go of what's familiar and what I'm used to and be obedient to God, even if that feels incredibly uncomfortable and difficult. I will not be stuck because I burnt the ships to any other, any other option and I'm 100% committed. I'm not 2% committed. Michael Jordan said, the, you know, the famous basketball player, he said, once I made a decision, I never thought of it again. 
But once we've made the decision, I never thought of it again. Peter, when all the others were going away, do you remember when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and everybody else walked away because they thought, we don't get what Jesus is saying and it sounds really gross and like cannibalism and this is offensive and don't, don't you know that Jews don't have anything to do with blood? And Jesus looked, there's only 12 left. I mean, this is, this is thousands, thousands walking away, hundreds walking away. Everything that had humanly been built walked away. Shows that Jesus himself, the God-man, was 100% committed to the mission and vision of the Father that was going to result in Jerusalem on Calvary for the redemption of the whole world. Nothing was going to get in the way of that. And he's letting people know it's going to be by his blood, body and through his blood and no other way to salvation. Some got offended and, and Jesus doesn't go running after them. He asks the disciples, are you going to? I mean, that's... Jesus, that's not how you do it. You make sure you at least hold on to your 12. <laughs> and he says, are you going to? And then Peter says, no, we're going nowhere because when you speak, we come alive. In other words, Peter's saying, I'm 100% in Jesus. I burnt the ships to any other option. Does that mean Peter was perfect? No, because he denied Jesus three times and went back to fishing and Jesus had to go back and get him and say, do you love me? It's not about perfectionism. It's about Jesus sees the heart. There's something powerful that Jesus can work with in our imperfect decision to say, I'm burning the ship to anything else, Jesus. And I'm gonna, sometimes I'm going to be bold and courageous and sometimes I'm going to deny you. I'm going to get it wrong. But he comes after us. It brings mental clarity. It frees your mind to start to do the things that you've longed to do because you've made your decision. And it brings resilience. I think there's something about weighing up what you're going to do. Some of you might have heard that and say, you know what, I'm ready to mark this moment with I'm burning the ships, I'm 100%. And some of you might think, you know what, I need to go back and think about some stuff. It might be I've got to get some clarity. It might be you think actually Jesus is just a nice add-on to my life. He's just a home improvement part of my life. I like him, he's a lamp in the corner, but he's not really at the driving wheel and I do pretty much what I want and every time I have a need I might come to him but really I haven't burnt the ship so I'm not 100%. You might need to go back and say you know what I'm going to have to think about this. I'm going to have to think about this because the life in Jesus is the simplicity of I have no other option. I've no other choice. I'm going nowhere else and whether he makes me significant or insignificant I'm finding that the doorway to life is the doorway through a door called death. Of yielding, of surrender and saying, you know what, Jesus, you, I am not entitled for you to do anything. But I'm 100% and I've burnt the boats to anything else. And I'm going to ask, and this is not an opportunity to stand because you think, ah, oh, if, if I stand, it means that people are going to think I've been rebellious and I've gone off and... You know, this is, it's not that. It's, there are just moments when you mark it where if I wasn't standing, I'd stand where you say, I'm just marking it again, Jesus. I'm yours. I'm yours. 
And we were walking on the holiday, and uh, I didn't. Something was. Do you know when there's something up in your heart? There was something up in my heart because I hadn't been able to talk to him for a few days. And he just got my attention. He said, "You're disappointed." I said, "Yeah, I'm disappointed." Yeah, I'm disappointed. You're right. He just came to me like he does in a tender moment, which is, sorry, Jesus, disappointed with you. I'm offended by you. I expected more from you. And I'm sorry. And he comes in those beautiful moments where you say, I'm yours. And he comes and there's that restoration. I say that because it, that's the kind of relationship we're talking about. 100% doesn't mean I'm perfect. 100% means I've already made the decision. When I hear his voice, I want to quickly respond to his voice. And so I want to invite you, and this is not a statement of, you've got anything wrong, you could be brilliantly going on, yeah? It's just a statement of, Jesus, I'm yours, I'm burning the ships to everything else, I'm 100% yours. It's going to invite you, if you feel that actually is a decision you want to make now, to stand. It might be you might want to make it another time, that's fine. Go away and think about it, chat to God about it, weigh the cost, think about it. But that's what it means to be a disciple, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I'm going to come to you, I'm going to hear your voice, and I'm going to do what you say. So if today you just want to make that choice, actually, I'm burning the ships, I'm 100%, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Hey Jesus, we, we just say to you, just as a body of people, we... We belong to you, Jesus. We follow you, Jesus. And we're your disciples, we're your apprentices. You're our friends, you're our brother, you're our teacher, you're our leader. We just say to you, lead us, guide us, direct us, teach us, apprentice us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the good shepherd that you're going to lead us into all that you've got for us. And we just thank you for the simplicity of one decision, one decision that covers all the other decisions. So I walk through life and I face challenges or beautiful invitations and opportunities. My decision is this, what do you say? And I'm going to do what you say. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that, Jesus, this is the way the world gets changed. It's just a bunch of ordinary people like us who have heard the most beautiful, outrageous, awesomely generous invitation to be friends with God, to be parented by the great good Father and to be loved. And all we've done is say yes. Yes. And it opens up life to us and power and and authority and overcoming to us. Like the simple decision, do not be anxious about anything. And you just say, 
Does that mean anything, Jesus? No, nothing. You can be anxious about nothing. Oh, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to learn that. I'm not going to give anxiety a place because I've already said yes to peace. And shalom. Amen.